0: love watching uh, God do things and moving and expanding, you know. It's it's God's heart. God's heart is growth, always. Like his character and his nature, growth and prosperity are at, the, at his very nature. You know, it's a God of growth. Everything that he created grows, you know. Seeds grow. Grass grows. I know you wish sometimes it wouldn't, but it does, and you have to cut it again. You know, hair grows, and I know some of you it doesn't anymore, but it's okay. The the general point is that everything in God's nature, you know, and the Bible tells us, beloved, I wish that you may prosper, right? That you may prosper like in, in everything as your soul prospers. So so there's always uh, somewhere, some area where we need to grow, you know. So if you've been if you've been walking with Jesus for, you know, twenty years, thirty years, all your life, or one month. You know, for all of us, you know, Paul said it. It's not that I've already attained it; like I continue, you know, moving forward. God is an infinite God, right? And so, what we're trying to do is is that building a place where you encounter God, where you understand who you are in Him, that you may prosper, walk in the things you were created to do, and then with that help, bring transformation to others. You know, and so that's a little bit of what I want to uh, talk about today, and continue on. So have uh, several scriptures you might want to write down to study, uh, you know, on your own as well. But, um, you know, I, I said every Sunday, we, we figured out whose we are, which tells us about the nature of God, our creator. Then that tells us accurately who we are because we know we were made after his own image and the qualities that he's given us, right? How many people have you met and run across in life that are always trying to find themselves, It's like a dog chasing his tail, right? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? (laughs) You know, and it's like, if you only knew who created you and you got to know him, you would easily know who you are. You would have no identity issues. You would have no low self-esteem. You you would have a a great self-worth because you'd know whose you are, who loves you. Isn't that what we even tell our kids? Like, who loves you? Who loves you? you? Why? Because we want them to know who loves them. Because that is so important. Whose son you are. We said last week, like, even Thor makes sure that his name is Thor, son of Odin, right? And then everything in Bible and Hebrew, like, your, your value, your identity comes of whose son you are. And that's where ours needs to come from, right? In this world, it comes out of what you do. What do you do? Okay, now I know who you are. No, it's not. But that's not how it is, you know. That's not how it is in God's kingdom. And then, when well, we know who we are, we know what we are supposed to do. And out of those works that the Bible tells us that He prepared works for you to do, do you ever wonder if you're doing the works that He prepared you to do? He prepared things for you to do, and some of which you have done, some of which you haven't done. But let me tell you, where most satisfaction pleasure, joy, and peace come from life is when you're doing what He created you to do. Because to do what He created you to do, you're probably also walking with Him. So it's always an invitation into a relationship that is more intimate and more intimate with Him. It's always about knowing whose we are in a more intimate way. And that reveals more of who I am. And the thing is, like, how many times have you you know, learned or read something in the Word and you go, oh my gosh, I did not know God had promised me this. I did not know that God thought about me this way. I did not know that, you know, that I didn't have to live in condemnation. Like how many times have you, you discovered something new about you because you were reading about him? See, religion can't do that. Religion doesn't, doesn't work well because it's only a bunch of rules and, you know, uh, things for you to do and, and ways to condemn you if you don't um, get it done. And so who's who, what we are, you know, and we said last week it leads us into new life. Okay, now that I know whose I am, who I am, what I'm supposed to do, now now I need to learn how to walk in newness of life. Or like we read in Colossians 3, new life, right? Because it says in Colossians 3 that our real life is hidden with God in Christ. And therefore, if you're not living the real life, which is only hidden in God, with Christ, with God in Christ, then you're living a fake life. And it's the fake life that is not fulfilling because it's not who you were created to be and what you were created to do. Are you with me? And so this new life um, needs to pierce three levels. We talked about this last week as well. New life should pierce, and what I mean pierce is like It needs to break through. It needs to make a change, okay? A a, a complete turnaround in in three levels. Number one is the way I think in my thinking. That's the renewed mind. The renewed mind thinks very different than the old man. So it's in my thinking. Number two is in my perspective. How I see things, and I'm going to tell you, even give you a better picture. Not just how you see things, but where you see things from. If you see life and everything from the perspective of of just a human that doesn't have a relationship with God, you're going to look at a life that is about 80 to 100 years, and then that's it. That's all that matters. But when you see it from the perspective of heaven, you realize this is not your home. This is the Bible says we're in this world, but not of this world. So you'll realize that your place is actually in heaven, seated next to Christ in heavenly places. That is your your seat. That's your position. That's where you belong. Therefore, your view on life is going to be way different and actually not as narrow but way open because you're going to, what happens when you zoom out of a map? You, You see the big picture, right? And you realize it's not all about that one street you realize it's not all about that one thing you were looking at, but there's so much more. So sometimes people live their life just looking at, you know, at me, at self. Their eyes are down, you know, and they're just looking at my issues, my issues, my problems, and they cannot look at anybody else, help anybody else, do anything for anybody. It's all about me, my issues, my problems, and it never comes out. It never leaves that. It's always just that. Right? But the Bible tells us to lift our eyes up. Right? We talked about keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus last week. We talked about how we fix our eyes on the things of heaven because those are things that are eternal. Right? And so what is that telling us? It's talking about our perspective. Our perspective needs to be a heavenly perspective. perspective saying, you know, in the scheme of eternity, not 80 years, but in the scheme of forever, what's most important here? Where should I put my energy, my time? How should I steward the life that I was given? Are you with me? Yes. Right? And so it should pierce, you know, new life should, and should pierce through our thinking, through our perspective. And number three, through our speech. Yes. Consequently, you're going to speak different. You should speak differently. Right? Even Colossians 3 tells us, stop the filthy language. How many of you stopped cussing last week? (laughs) One honest person? The rest of you so scared of like. I have to cut that off the video. (laughs) Grace, Grace. (laughs) Um, So. New life must pierce through our thinking, and this is the daily thing, right? This is the, the renewal of the mind, Romans 12, and then Colossians 3 as well. It t- tells us how we need to be transformed, and there's two ways of being transformed. Number one is by the renewing of our mind, right? Catching those thoughts. That is not a good thought. That thought is not mine. That thought is not of God. That thought is of the devil. Let me tell you, when you have a bad thought, it's not your thought, When you have a bad thought, it's not your thought. So stop condemning yourself and catch that thought and be like, "Ah, you tried, but no. That's not a good idea or a God idea. It's a devil idea. So, you know. Um, So catch your thoughts, right? So the renewal of the mind comes by renewing our mind with the word of God, with saying, Oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Okay. I'm going to do things differently now. That's the process of repentance. Okay? Repentance means to turn around, you know, and do it differently. You know, when Jesus caught the woman, well, the woman adultery was caught and was brought before Jesus, he told her to go and sin no more. Like, it was simple. He didn't even give her a 12-step program or any kind of curriculum. I mean, he said, go and sin no more. Why? Because in a way, it is, it is simple, right? In a way, it is simple because when you're a new creation and your nature has changed, then you no longer have to struggle and fight with the old man unless you choose to do so. You're free from that. Sometimes it's an illusion that keeps us trapped because it really has no power. It really has no authority. It really has no legal right to stay there. You're just tolerating it. You're under the illusion that it has a hold on you when in reality it doesn't. That's why the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Jesus defeated him. You just resist them. How did Jesus resist him? He knew the word. So when the devil came and tempted him, you know, he's like, nope, the word, the word says this. And he ran, came back with a new scheme about this. Nope, the word says this. Came back around, you know. How about this? Nope, the word says this. He resisted the devil, and then eventually the devil flees. He's gone. He stops trying to come through that door. He stops trying to attack or take that, that, that territory of your life. So you resist the devil and he flees. And that, all of that, right, is part of strengthening and being renewed in our mind. And we are being transformed. And then Colossians 3 tells us that, you know, as we, are, uh, as we uh, uh, gaze upon him, and uh, 1 Corinthians 13 as well says, you know, that the more we, we gaze on him, the more we behold him, behold his glory, we are also being transformed more into his image. And we're learning how to be more like him. That's a paraphrase between 1 Corinthians 13 and Colossians 3. But what it's saying is like that's the other way of being transformed. And I think sometimes we miss that one a lot. We're like, hey, here's a great teaching and I'm being transformed by that. But you're missing on the part of beholding. What are youth beholding a lot these days? TikTok, Snapchat, social media, whatever. People. People. People they don't know, they'll never know, and somehow they're being influenced by them because they are beholding. For hours and hours and hours, beholding. Video after video after video after video, beholding. And dressing like it, talking like it, behaving like it, conforming to something else other than the Word of God. Are you with me? And so, what happens when we behold him, how do we behold him? When we spend those quiet times in prayer, when we spend those quiet times in his presence, when we're in worship, and maybe maybe it's a time when we're not singing, we're just in his presence. That's why we do worship nights, which, first time ever we're canceling this Friday, because it's going to be a little bit tricky in here, but... Um, but that's what we do, you know, in worship night. It's like we want you to have two hours that you worship, that you sit down, that you stand up, that you lay on the floor, that you're just quiet, that you're taking notes, that you're listening, that just that you're beholding him. Because that's the part that brings transformation. And that's the harder part for a lot of people because people like to be doing, 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 doing. And they're more human doings than human beings. And we and we missed that part like. Of beholding God, of just like soaking in His presence, you know. What does that mean? Soaking in His presence sounds weird. Am I like a sponge? Yeah, you kind of are. You absorb, you know, what you're hearing, what you're listening, where you're, the environment you're in. You know, so when you're sitting in the presence of God, you know, even even if there's nothing to do or there's nothing to sing, you know, and you could do that in your car, you can do that in your in your bedroom, you can do that by yourself, you know, just. Being in front of him, beholding. When you read the scriptures, you're beholding. You're getting a better idea of who he is. You're like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. That's why worship is transformational. Right. Who you worship, you become like. I mean, right. fans are the number one example, yeah. right? How many kids dressing like Justin Bieber are running around there, you know, the hair, same haircut, no haircut, you know, and uh, and just like, you know, like they're wearing these huge T-shirts, Like, why? Why are they doing that? Because they have been beholding something, because they are imitating something, because they are, in a way, worshiping, which worship means, to you know, like, as simple as putting something before God or just raising something up in front of you before you. You I'm not saying it's wrong. You know, I love Justin Bieber. He's awesome. He loves God. God loves him. You know, it's great. But what I'm saying is, like, why do people uh, become like other people? Because they become fans, and fans is a way of worship. So when you're worshiping God, if you're really worshiping God, if you're really looking at like, oh, my God, he's the one that he really raises the dead. He really is the one that turns graves into gardens. He really is that one. And you're like, just like, see, songs are just helping us to to remember and realize who he is and and his deeds and what he has done to help us stand in awe of him and go, Oh my gosh! I'd forgotten, and he heals people, and he healed me, and he's a provider, and he provided for me. And what this is doing is like it's praising him, but it's to produce an awe inside of you to behold him and behold his glory and realize how amazing, how good he is, and produces thankfulness. And this is true worship, right? Which is what people do with other people, also. Like, oh my gosh. Look at him. Look at her. And then there's imitation that comes after that. So beholding leads to transformation. Worshipping leads to transformation of whatever you're worshipping. That's why worship is so important. Amen? And the more passionate worship is like, you're just, you get it. You're passionate about something. But you understand what it means. You understand what he has done you understand who he is and you can't help it but to just stare like that's what happens when you see something amazing right guys you know it could be like you know a truck could be a a sports car and you're just like oh my gosh look at that ferrari you know or you know women i don't know what it is for women shoes (laughs) i don't know not my wife What, what you know you stare how much do you stare at God how much do you stare at God and go I'm all lost for words you saved me you healed me you set me free you love me without conditions you accept me just as I am you have a plan for me You were faithful before I was ever faithful. You're good to me before I even knew you existed. And you extend me grace that is never ending. You have no demands. Wow. See, when's the last time you stared at God? He's so good. All right. That was the introduction. I hope you're following this because I, wherever you're at in this process, you know, or wherever you're lacking in this process, whether it's knowing who you are, who you are, what you're supposed to do, you know, all of those things that we need to continue actively looking into and figuring out, you know, okay, renewing my mind, right? Is it is it affecting my the way I think? Do I think different than I thought two weeks ago? Do I think different than I thought a year ago, you know? Have I, am I growing in this area? Am I growing in that area? Am I stuck in the same ditch? Do I think different? Do I see things differently than I saw them before? I can tell you in this process for me in the last couple months, I see different, I see things very different than I did like the first week, uh, you know, after the accident. You know, things were looking really dark. Perspective had to change. The natural always follows the spiritual. And I love what Dan was saying um, earlier because we are here, we're worshiping, and and before he said it, I was in my in my uh, seat over there just thinking and, and realizing and reminding myself like like all the singing is not just empty singing. Stuff is happening in heaven. Yes. Like stuff is happening in the invisible, in the spiritual realm that we don't see, but we know that is happening. We know that things are moving. You know, when you pray, you in a seat. I love the example he gave of the centurion, and the Lord showed me something. He said the centurion was such an example of um, of uh, intercession, because he came and he he stood in the gap. He prayed for somebody else who didn't even know they were praying for him. <laughs> the guy that was ill didn't even know they were praying for him. Had no faith, no knowledge, nothing. And this guy with great faith comes and stands in the gap and asks Jesus. And he's like, Jesus was amazed at his faith. Because that guy believed in authority, believed in and like, hey, you just say the word, it'll happen. And you're just like, whoa, most people want me to come to their house, spend three days praying, anointing with oil and, you know, do a dance. And you just saying, don't even come, just the word will be enough. See, so that's James right there where it tells us that, you know, the prayer of faith availeth much and, will, and it can heal the sick. So that's powerful. You know, it just, it, it, it blew my mind there. Um, I don't know how I got to that. But uh, open your Bible with me to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, and we're going to start with verse 1. Are you guys learning something this morning? Is the Lord speaking to you? That's good. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Say, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. You know, just, just curious. What do you think good news to the poor could be? That would be great news. You don't have to be poor anymore. <laughs> right? What would be good news to the sick? You don't have to be sick no more. That's right. What would be good news to a slave? You're free. <laughs> Simple, right? Good news. Like, like, I think we all have a really good definition of what the good news are. I don't know how the body of Christ has missed it so much over the years with, like, what the meaning of good news is. You're going to burn in hell. Sinner. Like, that's not good news. <laughs> there might be truth in that for those that reject and reject and intentionally reject the gift of salvation, the free gift of salvation. But we were never called to be threatening people with hell. You know, I, even there's, there's a saying that says, you know, you attract more flies with honey than with vinegar, Right? Well, God is better than that. You know, know, the news of the kingdom are too good to be true. And they are true. As a matter of fact, if it's not too good to be true, it's probably not God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Say, comfort the brokenhearted. And to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Hmm. Let's go to um, Luke four eighteen, and this is the passage where Jesus reads Isaiah sixty one, and I want um, I want to read it there as well. In Luke 4, 18, it says, the Jesus picks up the role of Isaiah, opens it up in the synagogue, says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And I wanted to read it in both places because I, I, I want you to know this is not just Jesus' mission, but it's your mission. See, we learn whose we are, who we are, what we're supposed to do, we train to walk in newness of life, how to constantly be renewing our mind and being transformed by by the word, by the washing of the word, and by gazing and and, uh, beholding him and his glory by having this relationship with him. But it's not just so that we're like, ta-da, look at me, I look so pretty, like, I know who I am, who I am, what I'm supposed to do. I like. I have my mind renewed. I, I, I worship really good. I read the Bible. I'm whole and complete, and that's the end of it. No, that's the beginning of it. That's the beginning of it. That's why we need to n- learn these things and, and, like Nick says, stop the stinking thinking as soon as possible because that's just the beginning. It's like the training ground. It's like if you go to the police academy, you don't start being a policeman that day, right? You go through the academy, you're trained, you're taught everything, and then you're given authority, and then you're given, you know, what you need, your tools. You're given a uniform. You know that God dresses us in righteousness as well? There's so many things. that If you pay attention to the things he dresses us in, right, we have a robe of righteousness, but then he also puts us, like, the favorite sun robe. And we also have royal and priestly robes, right? Because all all those all that clothing is speaking of you know our authority and and who we are in him. So you don't you don't become whole and 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 amazing just to be and and to be like a, a display. You do that so that you can do Isaiah 61. Because Jesus gave us a great commission and he said, greater things than I do, you will do. And some people just want to do those things without knowing who they are and without knowing whose they are and without, you know, renewing their mind. And what ends up happening is religion, is people trying, trying, trying really hard, trying really hard and things not happening. Why? Because they don't have a clue who they are. They don't have a clue of God's nature. They have no relationship with him. So, therefore, they end up trying to do great commission to do what we're supposed to do in the flesh. And it becomes works of the flesh. Frustrating works of the flesh because it never really works out. Are you with me? Yep. Okay, I want to make sure I don't lose you, okay? And so, this is what uh, what Jesus did. And it is also what we're supposed to do. So, I'm not saying that you have to... Do all that to be all this, but what I'm saying is like that's the correct order of things, and it shouldn't take you a decade to figure out the goodness of God, who you are in Him, what you're called to do, and renew your mind. It is an ongoing process of renewing our mind. It's an ongoing process of being transformed. But then uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus says these things, and then He tells us like this is our same mission. So you are supposed to. You are anointed of God to bring good news to the poor, not just to the poor, but good news to the sick, right? The gospel is what? The good news. The gospel is the good news. So wherever somebody is at, whatever kind of difficulty they're going through, what are the good news for them? But they don't have to be sick. They don't have to be poor. They don't have to live in pain. They don't have to be sad. They don't have to live on medication. They don't have to you know, be on prescription drugs for the rest of their life. They don't have to be bound to addictions. They don't have to live in, de- in, in depression and in, 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 in anxiety. They don't have to live stress their whole life. Those are all good news depending on what people are experiencing. And you're supposed, you're, you've been commissioned. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to bring these good news. To proclaim captives will be released, the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You there? Oh. Okay. Go with me to Exodus chapter 2. And so I want us to get this idea that we need to move through the fast track of growth, spiritual growth, now, today, this isn't for, you know, when you finish school or when you go, you know, when you're done with your vacation. Or This is for today. This is now. We live in times that are, well, we don't know how much time, you know. These are the end times. And so we need to learn to walk in these things today. You know, we, we need to lift our eyes up from ourselves. You know, one of the things that I, that I, the Lord spoke to me to do probably maybe about four weeks into after the accident was because um, I felt so guilty. I feel so guilty that everybody's taking care of me and I'm doing nothing. I'm used to going, going, doing, 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 you know. Um, and, and I, you know, I was like, I can't do anything. It's so annoying. And the Lord's like, no, you can you know, So I started calling people. I started texting people. I was like, no, how are you doing? No, how are you doing? You know? <laughs> and praying with people and standing with people and, and just coming out of myself. And guess what? When you come out of self, like you start getting better yourself. I'm not saying that it might not be a, a few weeks, a, a period that is really intense for you, that you're working out some real heart issues, you know, and that you're maybe going through sozo and you're going through this and you're like, maybe you're on, you know, on a 21 day, like you're really changing something. But that, that can't be eternal. Yeah. That it has to produce a fruit and then you have to grow. And then, you know, it ha- there has to be a progress in your life. Otherwise, you're just stuck here. Inself. Okay, so um, what happens here? Moses uh, was raised in the palace, right? And we learned that a slave cannot deliver a slave, but royalty, right? Leaders like these people have have a different mentality, right? So that's why Moses was raised in the palace as royalty, so that God could use him to deliver. The Israelites from the slavery in Egypt. Okay, and so here in Exodus chapter two, verse eleven says, "Many years later, when Moses had grown up, say I need to grow up. up. Say it again. I need to see more people saying (laughs) this. Okay, I need to grow up. Moses grew up in the palace. He had identity. He had confidence. We know that because of what he did, right?" And it says, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. And after looking all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Like, that was pretty bold for him to do that. That was pretty brave, you know. He had a high sense of justice. Why? Because he was royalty. And true royalty has a heart to help people and to see justice really happen. And so um, what this tells us is that Moses came out of the palace, right, to do the work. And if you think about it, he was doing some of what Jesus was doing. He was setting captive street. He was bringing good news to, to the slaves, right? He was bringing good news to the people. And that's what he ended up doing. But he had to walk out still in his authority, still in his you know royal clothing so that he can make an effect now on people that were captive on people that didn't have very good news and weren't experiencing a very good life. Do you see that together? You're the same. you need to grow up in God's palace know who you are who you are, what you're called to do and in that confidence in that robe of righteousness of qualification of love Of being the favorite of God, knowing that you're royalty, knowing that you're priesthood, knowing that you can come before God, like in that confidence, walk out into the people of the world and bring in the good news and set the captives free, make the blind see and let the prisoners be free as well. You see that? Like I just gave you an amazing thing, like you should be like... Thanks, babe. Thank you. <laughs> Just kidding. So I want to show you um, a couple things before I close. Uh, go to Matthew 28, 18. We're going to read a few scriptures. Um, actually, let me check uh, which one's first. One second. Okay, f- first go to Ephesians. Sorry, Ephesians 1, 22. My bad. Ephesians 1, 22. Thank you. It says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ. Say with me, all things. All under things. the authority of Christ. Right? So God the Father put all things under the authority of Christ Jesus. Okay? Christ. It said, and has made him head over all things. Say with me, all things. all things. Okay? So God took authority over everything, and gave it to Christ, okay, and made him head over all things, and now check this out, for the benefit of the church. For whose benefit? Our benefit. Say, our benefit. We are the church, right? So, authority has been transferred to Jesus Christ, and then for the purpose, for the benefit of the church. Now let's go to uh, Matthew. I'm sorry, is that the next one? I have an order for this. Uh, Matthew 10, 1. Okay. Let's go to Matthew 10, 1. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. Pretty much, he gave him authority to do everything that he had done, right? And then he even has a clause in there that says, and even greater things than these you'll do. So Jesus came and said, everything I did, you have authority to do those things and more. So you're not limited to just what I did. Like, you can do more. There will be a lot more things in the future, that are not present now, that you will wonder if you were able to do that or just what was in the Gospels. So I'm telling you, you can do that. You can do more. That good, huh? So God gave Jesus authority over all things for the benefit of the church. And then Jesus called his disciples, right? We are his disciples too. We need to be his disciples. You know, a disciple is one that follows Someone, as if it was their teacher. Some people say they're disciples of Jesus, but they're definitely not going where Jesus is going. Okay. They're not posting on social media what Jesus would be posting. They're not advocating what Jesus would be advocating for. Okay, we'll leave that one alone. And gave him authority to cast evil spirits to heal every kind of disease and illness. Tell the person next to you, you have authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and illness. Stay with it. Let's go to um, next scripture. Um, You have the order there. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's amazing. Right? So it wasn't like, hey, I'm giving you something I don't have. No, I'm giving you something that I have that the Father God gave me, and now I'm giving it to you. And if he's giving it to you, it's because you didn't have it. Why? Because Adam lost it in the garden for all of us. He lost it. Just like we didn't sin, he sinned for all of us and we were born out of sin. Same thing. He lost authority because he submitted himself to someone other than God and he relinquished it. And I want to point out a couple of things real quick. First of all, Adam, when God gave him authority over all the animals and the earth and everything, God never questioned him. Why are you calling that animal like that? Why that one? Like He's like, hey, name all the animals. No questions asked. I mean, I would have been like, hippopotamus? Like, okay, can we talk about that one? No. God's like, name them all. He didn't question him. He took initiative, right, and just did. But then he relinquished this, okay, and lost his authority. How do I know that? Because then Jesus gave it back to us. And Jesus wouldn't give us something we already had. The one that tries to trick us like that and take things away that we already had is the devil. He's the one that's like, hey, you'll be like God if you eat of this fruit. But they were already like God. He was trying to sell them their own identity that they already had. You know, there's a place in Mexico, It's is the Total Bunny Trail, but there's a, a really bad neighborhood in Mexico that if you even go through one of their streets, like while you're at the light, this guy will come up and sell you like... You know, new, uh, you know, hubcaps. You know, for your for your car. You know, some cars don't have rims; they have hubcaps, right? They'll sell you the hubcaps. They'd be like, "Hey, you know, uh, you want to buy some extra hubcaps, or you're missing a hubcap back there." You'd be like, "What?" Like, because they they steal from you while the other guy goes around and sells it back to you. <laughs> like, it's not how bad that neighborhood is. And that's what the devil tries to do. He tries to sell you back what was already yours. The only one we can trust that is truly giving us something we don't have is Jesus. And so, yes, God uses man, and he used man throughout the whole Old Testament, you know, and it was appointed people that the Spirit of the Lord came upon, like the judges, you know, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them for a certain mission, right? And then we also see that the people uh, would cry out to God, and then God would rescue him, and he would send a rescuer, and he would, he would come out and, and do, it, do these things, and he always works through man. He always works with and through man, Yes. But there was not the, the we didn't, they did not have the ability that we have now to have initiative and say, I'm going to go pray for that person. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go, you know, tell that person of the good news. There wasn't that. But Jesus gave us that authority so that we could be agents, free agents like him. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in, in, inside of them in the Old Testament. Jesus came, finished the work, Right. He's on earth and he's delegating and giving authority to his disciples so that they can do, go and do the same things that he did at any time. That's why it's optional. That's why the Lord doesn't come to you every night in the middle of the night and I say, wake up, let's go, preach to your neighbor now. Because he already said and he already gave you a commission. He already said, give you the Holy Spirit. He gave you the authority and he said, okay, now go and do this. And you have your whole life to go and do this. Are you with me? Yeah. I'm not saying that he doesn't highlight things, you know, here and there. But what I'm saying is there's a lot more initiative and responsibility that we're able to take now to do things for the kingdom that we didn't, that they didn't have before. We never lived in that. We never experienced that. Are you with me? Yeah. So, um, so Matthew 28, 19, You know, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy. Spirit, okay. So go make disciples. Say with me, disciples. disciples. Okay. What's our next script, next scripture, please? Um, acts. Okay. So He gave us authority. Okay. So you have a clear picture of how authority came down for us that lived after Christ, that received Jesus, become new creations, received the Holy Spirit. the The authority came. God gave Jesus authority over all things. For the benefit of the church, and then Jesus came and said, "Yes, and I give you all authority." Right? Because you cannot put a policeman on the street without a uniform and a badge. He can't do his job that way, right? That'd be ridiculous. Be like, "Who are you?" Well, I, you know, I just graduated from the academy. Like, where's your uniform? Where's your badge? Where's your identification? I mean, I wouldn't even stop. Right, But there's, that's the authority. It's the uniform, it's the badge, it's the authority. And then, we need a gun. Thank God for this country and for this state. Man, I mean, I saw this post that said, you know, uh, freedom, uh, something like this. Freedom in this country uh, came at the courtesy of people with guns or something like that, you know? I was like, like, yeah. Learn how to use them. Be safe with them, you know? If you want to. You don't have to. It's freedom, right? You know, the one that really sets us free is Jesus. You know, we're, we're like, in him, we're completely free. Completely free. You can choose to serve him or not, live for him or not, love him or not, and He's he still has a good plan for you. He still loves you. And he'll still take you back any moment, any time. That's freedom. And I'm just grateful that we live in a country that has that freedom. We take for granted what so many people don't have or have never even experienced. E- even just in this state, I'm, just gr- I'm grateful for this state too, you know. Hmm. Anybody else? Yeah. Happy Fourth of July. <laughs> um, I'm grateful. You know, I uh, I became a citizen what, 2019? Great time. And end of 2019, <laughs> I became a citizen. You know, and I I love this country. You know, I, I'm thankful for it. You know, and I'm thankful for all the missionaries it, it sends out. You know, it's uh, Dan. I think you told me this. It's like the number one country that sends missionaries throughout the whole world. What we're doing is the Great Commission. Like we're doing what Jesus called us to do, even just as a nation, right? May we never lose that. Um, I want to read to you out of Acts chapter 1, because here's where the power comes. In Acts chapter 1 and in verse, we're starting in verse 4, okay. It says, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift uh, the gift he promised, as I told you before. You guys know what that gift is, right? Uh, what's the gift? It's wrapped up? You don't know what it is? In verse 5, it says, uh, okay. Mm, verse 7 is okay. Yes, yeah, it says, And he said unto them, I'm reading out of uh, King James real quick because I want to read to you a a couple of these words in the um, in the original language, uh, in the Greek. It says, When uh, it said, and he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Okay? What what they're asking here is, you know, the, the disciples just asked, like, When are you coming back? When are you coming back? You know, because he was telling them he was gonna ascend to heaven, right? When is he gonna come back? Like, we're still waiting for that return, right? For the rapture and then the second coming. It says, um, so it says, he told them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. Interesting, that word times is the word chronos, and the word seasons is the word kairos, okay? I have a whole teaching on kairos and chronos time that you need to listen to. Um, But the point is, the chronos time is linear time, okay? It's, you know, hours and minutes and days, and it never stops, chronos, okay? And it's represented by a God of time who's got like, you know, like chains on him. And he's like chained to this timeline that nobody can stop. And then you have Kairos, which is a a different representation. But the Kairos time represents the times of God, the seasons of God, and uh, eternal moments of God time. Like Jesus came in a Kairos time. It was when the, when the fullness of time, when God only knew everything that had to line up and all the prophetic words and everything that needed to be done for Jesus to come, that was a Kairos moment. Boom, he came. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be another Kairos moment. And there's a lot of Kairos moments, God times, in our lives as well, okay? So without getting too much into that, because that's not my teaching today, it says, right here, it's talking about that. It says, it's not for you to know the times, the the chronos or the kairos, which the Father has put in his own power. Verse 8 says, but you'll receive power, okay, which is dunamis power, okay, uh, which is, um, um, dunamis power is miraculous power, okay? So it's like Holy Spirit power. It's an ability, it's an abundance, it's, you know, It's power, strength, it's violent, it's mighty, it's wonderful, okay? So you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth, right? So we will be witnesses to him. But we need what? We need the Holy Spirit. See, guys, this is the Great Commission. This is... When you become whole, when you know who you are, who you are, what you're supposed to do, whether you're in business, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a tradesman, whether you're a businessman, an investor, a mom, a dad, a child, a youth, whatever it is, when you become whole and you're renewing your mind, you're being transformed daily and you're in relationship with him, you're in the best place so that you can actually do what he calls to do. And I'm not telling you to wait till you're, you know, the... Great enchilada, you know. I'm just saying, like, anytime <laughs> you can do this. But there's issues in our hearts sometimes that we haven't worked out. And when we're hurt, we hurt other people. And when we're not confident, when we're not confident in who we are, like, we start, you know, contaminating God's message. If you're one of the first scriptures we read a few weeks ago is that the earth shakes when a slave becomes a king. So if you're trying to do king work with slave mentality, I feel sorry for the people you're gonna be touching. I should have said that nicer. Um, I feel sad for the people you'd be leading. So we need to get our act together so that we can do what we're called to do, whether it's in your job or wherever it's at. You can always do this. What is it? It's the good news. The good news to the poor, the good news to the sick, the good news to the brokenhearted, the good news to people. And it's not just good news. It's not just authority, but there's power with it, right? And that power comes with the Holy Spirit. And now I can do the things that Jesus did. So, you know, like James says, and we say many times, is always be preaching, and only when necessary, use words, right? So you might not have great words, you know, but you have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's that's greater than any knowledge we can have, than any technique we can have, than any vitamin we could give anybody, right? I, I tell people all the time, like, you're, you're feeling under the weather? Sure, take up some zinc, but let me pray for you, you know? Like, do things. The things that you know how to do, the practical things, let's not over-spiritualize everything. You know, God God gave us amazing tools and amazing things. But, but first and foremost is we were given authority and we were given power. And you can't use that correctly if you're not walking in your robe of righteousness, knowing you're God's favorite, and knowing that you are a king and a queen. I'm sorry, either or. The things we got to clarify these days. Oh, maybe watching online like, oh, I can go to that church. <laughs> you can. That's not what I meant. <laughs> oh, God, can we just delete that last 10 seconds? <laughs> it's confusing. So close your eyes. I want to ask you, you know, and um, where are you at? You know, like, chop, chop. Get through the police academy, put your uniform and get your get your badge and your gun and go. There's no time. Like Jesus could come back anytime. Any time. And I want you to feel a little bit of the urgency. I am not saying to quit your job. I am not saying to quit your job. And I am not saying to quit your job. Or your family or your business. You know, Jesus said, do business till I come back. But there is an urgency in the spirit. We cannot miss the opportunities to sow the seeds to tell someone the good news. You always, listen to me, you always have good news for somebody. If the person is rich, you have good news for them because who knows? They might be depressed, addicted, brokenhearted, or alone. Who knows? If the person is poor, you have good news for them because they don't have to be poor. Because he became that we might be rich right if they're sick or they're in pain you have good news because you've been given authority and power to heal every disease, right and if they're demon possessed you have good news because you can set them free because Jesus gave you authority and power to cast out evil spirits (laughs) and that would be really fun (laughs) so I want to ask you where are you at you know where you at and where do you need to, you know, like I love when uh, kids do summer school. I'm like, I'm so proud of them. Like, you know, kids that do summer school is like, they know, like, get going. I want to get this over with, you know, and, and, and just work hard and, and then get it out of the way. So I'm asking you the same question. Maybe you need to do summer school in your heart and really listen to this and renew your mind. And like, who am I? Whose am I? Let me put on my robe of righteousness. Let me put on my crown, my royal crown. And so that I, not not so that I can look pretty, but so that I can go out there and do things the right way. What I was called to do, set the captives free. This is the reason you were anointed for. So God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for everybody here. Thank you for your word. And I just pray that this... Um, message would go deep into our hearts and it would just pinpoint exactly Holy Spirit, pinpoint exactly where we need to do summer school at. We don't want to spend our whole lives just getting whole and healed and trying to look ourselves how you see us. We want to do that now. We want to do that now so that we can do the Great Commission the right way so that we can touch lives every day. So we thank you, Jesus, today. We love you and we praise you. And I'm going to ask you one more thing with your eyes closed. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, you know, that's that's like a big, big deal. Because <laughs> you might know who you are, but you haven't received your authority, you haven't received the power. And Jesus said, like, this is a promise, It's an important one. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up quickly. Uh, Pray come up. And if you've never received the Holy Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, if you if you don't feel like you've received that, or maybe you're like, maybe you leaked it all out, I don't know, and you just feel like you need it again, need to be refilled, that's biblical too. So um, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up, and, and if, you, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Father, the authority, you know, I would not want to be a policeman out there without my gun. That just doesn't make sense. So why would you want to be a believer out there, called to do things and have no Holy Spirit? So I thank you, God. And just, um, just if you would just come up front, if you need, uh, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit or if you never received Jesus in your heart, come up front. We'll pray with you. And if you need anything else at all, come up. And, and James, would you?